you. It's always so refreshing to have them here and to bless our hearts and lead us in worship. Good morning to you. Welcome. Welcome to Stratford Heights. We're so glad to have you. I have some good news. Six, everybody say six. Six weeks from today is spring. <laughs> I love that. I just love that thought. We've had, God has really given us a good uh, winter for the weather. 
Because we drive, I tell the class, we drive 21 miles one way and then 21 miles back. But it's always so good because God sees that we have good roads to drive on. We have 37 traffic lights from our house to Stratford Heights. And sometimes we don't make them all green. <laughs> sometimes we'll seem like I said, if you're in a hurry, seem like sometimes all 37 of them are green or red. But uh, we love our ride to church. We've learned over the years so much. We look forward to coming to church on Sunday morning, and as we come in the door, we hear the, the singing and the praise in the early service. It makes you so proud that people love God enough that they'll come out to worship on Sunday morning that early and worship the Lord. And then after that's over, we have our Sunday school hour at, uh, at uh, 9.30 to 10.30. And then we have morning worship service, mid-morning worship service. And then we come back tonight. And on Sunday is such a refreshing, wonderful time. Sunday night before last, we had a prayer line here in this middle section. How many of you were here during that prayer line? We had so many people that were healed, and they're still talking about it. I mean, pastors should have a testimony meeting on Sunday night. We had people healed and slain in the power. It was wonderful how God moved. So you never know what God's going to do in the service, but we know God's going to be here. And he's working. So we welcome you today. And if you are relatively new and you've been coming a few Sundays, uh, today we're having a meet and greet in our choir room. That's around to your left in the uh, room in the, on the side. And you uh, can come back there. We're going to have some light refreshments. And you get to meet the staff. We all go back and we're there to meet you. And so it just it's a good time to get acquainted. So we're inviting all of our new people, relatively new, whatever. If you've never met the staff, you're welcome to come today. We'd like to meet and uh, meet you after the service. All right, and today we're going to get out in the aisles and shake hands and greet one another and say, God bless you. Give God bless you to the, some of the people that are around you today. It's good to see Sister Wood here today. Amen.
Amen. If he said it, it's as good as done. Let's give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you'd like. We're going to take a moment in the middle of our worship and pause for prayer. This is something that we don't do out of some type of routine or to follow some type of religious duty. We do this because we believe in the power of prayer. Especially we believe in the one we're praying to. See, because we're not praying just to anybody. We're praying to the creator. The one that spoke everything into existence. We have an audience with the king this morning. And if we pray his will, he moves. And I don't know about you, but I want to see a move of God in these days. Hallelujah. And something that might seem to you as simple as praying for the nation of Israel. But you know what? I want to see a move of God in Israel. I want to see people changed. I want to see people come into the truth that there is only one God, one creator. I want to see people saved. So let's join together in prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you humbly this morning. Lord, it's a privilege to have a place where we can come and feel your presence and how we so want to be in your presence today. Lord, we come in accordance to your word this morning and we pray for the peace and prosperity of Israel. Lord, we ask that you would be with your people, Lord, and that they would come to the knowledge that there is only one king and there's only one God in that area, and that's you. Lord, we also pray for Christians throughout the world, Lord, those that live in circumstances that are different than ours. They're doing their best, Lord, to reach the lost in these difficult last days. And Lord, we also pray for what you're doing here at home. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for fire to be lit in people's hearts, Lord, and that passion would connect us to others around this area and that they would come to the knowledge of you. Lord, we ask today that you would fill this sanctuary with your presence, Lord, and that you'd fill it with your power and that we would leave change this morning in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And the church says, amen. Amen. Are you thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ this morning? I know you are. I know we are. We want to give you an opportunity here to worship the Lord with our giving, our tithes, and our offering. You've come into a church today that has experienced the blessing of the tithe. You've come into a church today that's experienced the blessing of generosity and being generous and and, and being able to participate in the works of God, not only here in Middletown and the surrounding area, but all around the world. And we're thankful. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. It says, give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that's what we believe. That's what we've experienced. We found that giving, we found that that giving that tithe and, and, and obeying God in those areas, being able to do that and, and, and walking in that is the foundation. It's the foundation of financial health. That means it blesses you. That means it strengthens you. That means it gives us the opportunity to be in that place where we can serve the Lord and for all the dreams that he's put in our heart to be facilitated through the power of his spirit. 
and, uh, and that obedience. So we're going to do that this morning because uh, we're so thankful for what God has done. Father, we love you and we praise you. We want to give this morning, God, not out of a begrudging heart, but, Father, out of a joyful heart, a cheerful heart. God, we know that when we give, God, it, it opens up the windows of heaven and, and pours out blessings. And, God, it also shifts and, and does a, a change, God, in our homes. And, God, I want that to be seen and felt. I've experienced, God, that power, God. I've experienced that protection. I've experienced that strength from you, God, as we uh, enable and put ourselves in position for that. And, God, every dollar that's given, God, apart from just the tithe that we're able to give, that 10%, God, every dollar, Father, Father, that we give, I pray that it would represent a soul. God, every dollar that we give, I pray that it would represent a life. I pray that it would represent a, a life that would be changed. God, not only here, but around the world as we support, God, the gospel going forth, the truth of God going forth into all the world. Thank you for the opportunity to give. And God, we will take full advantage of that in your presence and because of your strength and mercy. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. We know we 
possible. Joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible. Sing. Joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible. Yeah. Joy unspeakable, faith unsinkable, love unstoppable, anything is possible.
You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. When I am weak, when I am weak, Lord, you come and make me strong. I can put all my trust, I can put all my faith in you, Lord. I exalt thee, I want to sing it one more time. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Give him praises.
Somebody ought to say praise the Lord in this house. Praise the Lord. I don't care how you connect. Maybe you're somebody that bows your head or just sits there and you just feel the emotion inside you. Or you're somebody that's up on your feet and moving around. However it is, you connect with God. You need to connect with God on that song right there. How many of you know if it weren't for amazing grace... You and I wouldn't have a chance. We have been redeemed and set free by God's wonderful mercy and His grace in our lives. Unmerited favor. You know you were a scoundrel. Mean as a snake you were. 
doing everything wrong under the sun. Didn't care about nobody but yourself. The mercy of God came knocking on your heart's door. God came down right where you live and he touched your heart, softened you up, and gave you repentance so you could find freedom and relief. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Sing it. That stand with me. That saved a wretch, a wretch, a wretch like me. Oh, it was amazing grace. I once was lost, but now, but now I'm found. Was blind, but see this morning how many of your eyes have been opened and your ears are open and you have been set free Unending love, unending love. God's amazing. Unending love, unconditional love. Unconditional love. There ain't a thing you've done or will do that'll ever cause God to love you any less than He loves you right now. Why, the very day God placed you in the arms of your parents at the hospital, He didn't love you then more than He loves you right now. That's unconditional love. The kind of love that shows mercy and how many were glad for the do-over you got in your life thankful for the do-over I'm so thankful this morning we could sing that one for three hours and I just keep getting blessed all over again we're gonna go to prayer right now I want you to help me pray about a couple of things one is where's Betty Betty Tunnel where's Betty Tunnel here she is. Stand up, Betty, if you can. If you can't, just wave your hand. Betty is 82 years old today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Betty. Happy birthday to you. If you knew what kind of bronchitis I got, you wouldn't even want me doing that. But also, uh, I see uh, we're honored today to have special guests. We, we always just want to say hello. 
Brother Larry Carpenter is here from Lee University, the athletic director down there at that big old university. I'm telling you, Lee University, every time you turn on television, whether it's the news or it's the, even the, the talent channels, whether it's The Voice or American Idol or whatever it is, you always see in Lee University. I'm telling you, we ought to be thankful for the way God has favored and blessed our college and university. Every time you turn around, we're seeing all kinds of things in the athletic department. There's no difference. Records set, all kinds of things going on. I know one, my niece Jessica's down there, and she's having a wonderful time. But Brother Larry, we honor you when you get to come home. You and your family, thank you for being here with us today. We love you. We're going to pray two very specific needs. One is Sister Ruth Bennett needs our prayers today. She's in hospice. This is the uh, mom for Gladys and uh, Jimmy Robinson. We want to pray for them, the Onis and, and the Robinsons, and we want to lift Sister Bennett up this morning. The family's with her, and, and we want to pray for her. She needs the grace and the love of God to be with her. Also, Melissa and Steve Turner have a beautiful little brand-new baby girl, little Bethany. Bethany's come into the world. She must have a design and a plan that is out of this world because that girl has gone through it. In her first week of life, she's gone through what most people will go through in their entire life. They won't ever go through as much. She has some complications physically, and Melissa and Steve have been texting me left and right, and, and I wanted to go up even yesterday, but I, I was, I'm much better today than I have been over the weekend. I was sniffling and coughing and sneezing. I probably sneezed 10 times in 15 minutes. It was terrible. But i uh, been in contact with them, praying with them over the phone, talking with them. And God is blessing and touching the little girl. She's been getting good reports, and we're, we're thankful that she's coming along. But we want to pray for her as a congregation, that God will be with her. How many of you would say, Pastor, I have a need in my family, in my circumstances, and I want you to remember that in that prayer. Let's pray together, and then we'll pray over our word as well. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you. We honor your name and bless you, Lord. We have come to church, Lord, to be in your house, to lift up your name and to praise you. Lord, you said you inhabit the praises of your people, and we sense and feel your presence here today. I pray that you will touch in these needs that we've mentioned, those hands that went up for circumstances that we don't even know. The list would be a mile long. Touch every heart, every life, every circumstance. Bring answered prayers to light. As Father, we bless and honor you and lay all of our cares on you. We know that you care for us, and Lord, you are the answer, the God who answers prayer. I thank you for that today. Touch Sister Bennett. Lord, we ask you to be with her and touch her by your Holy Spirit. Let her feel strength and the grace of God, the power of God. She is a servant of yours, faithful to you, Lord. Comfort her and be with her. Set your angels around that room where she is and be with this family and comfort them, Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for little Bethany at the very beginning of her life. We ask you to touch her with a healing touch. We believe that nothing's impossible with you, and you've already, Lord, been touching her, and we've been feeling strength go for this family, virtue, Lord, from heaven. We ask you to minister to her, strengthen her, and give her a healing touch today. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Lord, as we now go into your word, I pray for families. I pray for hearts and love. I pray for romance. I pray for marriage. I pray that, God, you will touch us together as we look into your word and we are challenged, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful holy name to be better servants, to be more madly in love with you than we've ever been, and to know more about how you want us to love one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
God bless you. You can be seated. Or stay, stay standing for the reading of God's word. Gotcha. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Going to go all the way back to the Old Testament this morning. In honor of Super Bowl Sunday, I have entitled this message. Super Vowel Sunday. What are you laughing for? I thought you'd be clapping. Super Vowel Sunday. <laughs> I will not preach on the Super Bowl. I will not mention the Denver Broncos or the Carolina Panthers. I will not pick a winner, although I've always been a little partial to the name Cam. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I do it right. <laughs> I could just do this thing. What is it? But what I will preach about is the commitment and the discipline and the blood, sweat, and tears of the God sealed covenant that's made between every man and woman who look gazingly into one another's eyes say the words I do it's important every year right about this time traditionally we always talk about marriage family and love the good thing about that is it doesn't matter whether you're married or unmarried divorced or widowed it doesn't matter we how many of you all in here believe in the sanctity and the design and the institution of marriage I thought so. I thought so. So we're all in agreement that we need this. Our young people need this. Our young men and women need this who are looking at one another, cross-eyed from across the room. Our families need this. Last year we did this, and I felt the Lord move in a mighty way. I had a couple come to me a couple of weeks later and said, Pastor, that weekend saved our marriage. It's important that we discuss every year, right around Valentine's Day, for the next two weeks especially. Next Sunday is Valentine's Day. You better hold on to your hat. You better come ready, bring your Kleenex box. It's going to be a time. God wants us to talk about what he's put together, what he's organized and designed. So I'm appropriately calling today's message Super Vow Sunday. And I personally thought it was probably the coolest message title I have ever come up with in my life. I loved it. By myself, apparently. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground of the Lord. God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and the church said amen. You may be seated. The first family, husband and wife, instituted, created by God Almighty. It was not an invention of man. It didn't happen in the mind of man. Hollywood didn't create marriage, family. Government didn't do that. No human being did that. God designed it and put it together from the very beginning. God ignited and created the relationship that we call a family. How many of you know your family is the most important priority in your life? Let's just start right off the bat with something pretty important. You need to place your family at the top of the scale. They need to be number one in your priorities, in your prayers, in your provision. They ought to be number one in every important priority you have in your life. Family is there for you when everyone else walks out the door. Family will believe in you when no one else does. Family is the one that God has instituted and given to you. Isn't it amazing how we love our families no matter what? We can be hurt by them, wounded by them. We can be betrayed by them. And we still love them. And we look for that opportunity for things to be reconciled. God put that together. And God did it in this, this most romantic story in the Bible. You say, oh, no, 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 pastor. Have you not read Ruth and Boaz? Have you not read about Esther and the king? Pastor, Adam and Eve, for real? I think they are the, one of the most romantic couples in the Bible. When you hear in just a few moments how that all really went down, you're going to be excited about it. You're going to put hearts around Adam and Eve's name. You're going to watch the Hallmark movie, Adam Finds Eve. <laughs> God is so cool the way he set it up, too. God knows what he's doing. Can I hear an amen? amen? God knows what he's doing. God knows exactly the design and the work that he's doing in your life and mine. Thank goodness he does. But let's get started. It's a beautiful story, this romance, this love between Adam and Eve. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him, that looks like him, that kind of acts like him, of the same form as him. Someone kind of like him that compares to him. So we're sensing that something is up. God's going to do something amazing. 
I mean, we all know exactly what would be next, right? I mean, the expectation is, is settled in that verse. The very next thing is Miss Universe. The first and official Miss Universe is going to come walking out of the trees. And can you imagine what Miss Universe Eve looked like? I mean, this was the first woman ever created, Kathy. First woman. I mean, we got models, we got magazines, we got posters, we got all kinds of things trying to tell us about the perfect woman. Eve was the perfect woman. She was the one that God put together first. So you know she had blue eyes, blonde hair, spoken an Australian accent, and looked like Olivia Newton-John. Maybe. In my world, she did. You would expect that the next verse would say, And so God created a woman for Adam and brought her to him. Instead, two giraffes come walking towards him. Elephants, snakes, critters. Birds start flying around his head. Lions. Rabbits. Every beast on earth. It took days, maybe weeks. They all paraded right in front of him. Instead of just parading out with the first ever Miss Universe, God creates the animal kingdom after that verse. And it's like, God, what are you doing? You just made this powerful, wonderful statement here, and the very next verse is, and God raised up out of the dirt every beast of the field. It's kind of like, are you serious? The big unveil, Adam gets homework. You ever asked yourself why God answered the need in Adam's life? The need in verse 18, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Why did God answer that statement with a zoo? A zoo. So when Adam went looking for Mrs. Adam, God took him to the zoo. I said, that's my problem. I'm going to buy a season pass to the Cincinnati Zoo this year. I, I recommend all unmarried and single folks in here today, buy a season pass to the zoo. It's biblical. I'm going to go to the zoo. I'm going to find her there with the monkeys. No, that's not what God was saying. But there was a reason. You see, this is, what, this is where the romance begins. When God said, Adam, you're alone. It says he said, so he declared, he made a statement. It was heard, it was audible. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So Adam starts looking. Adam's looking. And as he's looking around, he sees Mr. Giraffe. That's not, that's not it. He looks around, sees Mrs. Giraffe. And he sees them, you know, looking at each other lovingly in that giraffe kind of way. And he sees Mr. Lion and Mrs. Lioness. He sees Mr. Tomcat and Miss Feline. 
he starts seeing Mr. Elephant and Miss. I ain't going to say Dumbo. <laughs> that would be so wrong. Mrs. Elephant. He sees all these couples walking through. God knew exactly what he was doing. He says, Adam, I'm going to make you somebody. The next thing you know, all these animals, days, beasts, all kinds of critters, all kinds of snakes, and you name it, everything. It says every beast of the field is coming through there, and all of them are parading past him, and he's seeing Mr. and Mrs., male and female. He's seeing them one after the other, and after a while, he's looking, and he's just like, what about me? I'm alone. God, where's my prize? Where's my missus? Where's, where's my better half? Where's that comparable helper? Where is that helper? And he gets to aching and longing inside and gets desiring inside. And then it says in verse 20, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Not found meant he was looking. He was searching. He was watching to see if she was going to come. And then... Suddenly, like what most men do, he fell asleep. In his easy chair, he's had a hard couple of days, he goes to sleep. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made. Everybody say the word made. Made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. Out of all creation. Oh, ladies, you're going to love this. Today is your day. Things are going to change at your house starting now. Listen. Every lady in this house going to pat me on the back, walking out the door, wink at me and say, thank you, thank you, pastor. <laughs> of all of God's creation, all the beasts of the field, all the men in the world, God created them out of dirt. God created all of the beasts and, all the, and Adam out of the dust of the earth. But woman was made. Now, I went to my trusty Strong's Concordance and saw that that word made is a word called bana, or however you pronounce that. I'm hoping I'm doing it right. But you get what I'm saying. Bana means to build or design. So, ladies, you weren't up out of the mud or the clay. God fashioned you, designed you, built you all separate. No other creation on earth. Everybody else came from the dirt. Now, granted, we could trace Adam and all that, but God opened Adam and took from him life and then designed you, made you. Gentlemen, that's going to change your house. God made you, ladies. He made you. God designed you, built you. In Adam's response, oh, the romance just keeps getting thicker. Adam's response, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. 
because she was taken out of man. And you say, no, I mean, that's not the way that went down. I mean, he was just like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah. We'll take a walk in the garden, show you around. No, because see, when I went to find that word made, that bana word, when I went to find out what that meant, I stumbled on something else, the, the letter Z-O-apostrophe-T, zot. It happens three times in that verse, and I was, I was like curious. I was like, well, what word is that? And I went looking for that word, and as I started searching more and more and more, I couldn't believe what I found. It was an insight into the attitude, the emotion of Adam. Three times it says it in that verse. It says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, zote, and flesh of my flesh, zote. She should be called woman, zote. Because she was taken out of man. Now you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything, Pastor? Well, let me tell you what it means. It's an exclamation that indicates strong feelings or high-volume shouting. It means ecstasy, elation, singing of a song, shouting, or poetry. So when Miss Universe walked out of the jungle... And she looking at Adam saying, hey, baby. He started qu quoting poetry, singing songs. He was elated. He was shouting. He was dancing. He was singing. He was like, woo! Zote! He was like, zote! Zote! Y'all are like, okay, settle down, pastor. <laughs> In other words, Adam went nuts. It was love at first sight. When Adam saw what God had made, he said, this is bone of my bones, zote. This flesh of my flesh, zote. This is woman. She a woman. Can I just say this this morning? God meant for marriage to be a wow in your life. God is meant for marriage to be a poem, to be a song, to be a shout. He's meant for it to be the most exciting, the most wonderful experience, encounter of your life. Never settle for anything less than that. Do everything and anything in your power to rekindle the zot in your relationship. Marriage between a man and woman is meant to be the pinnacle crowning of God's creation. It comes from Him. You're designed and you're built and you're put together in perfect synchronization with God's will and God's covenant with man. That first family was put together in order to model the covenant that God would make with humanity. There's so much in that first family. There's so much beauty there. So much, I mean, you can see the, the Hallmark movie is going to come out. I know somebody is going to talk about the romance between Adam and Eve. Can you see him when she walks out, Miss Universe? Amazing God is amazing. I've had the privilege of marrying now well over 150 couples in my years. One of the most awesome parts of my life is being able to stand right down here and I've showed you pictures before. I showed my nephew once when we're standing down here, and I always, right about the time that the whole congregation stands up, the music is playing, and 
the doors open up and the bride looking like a million four hundred billion dollars is standing there smiling and I always look at the groom immediately and I love it I love it when you see the tears well up in his eyes and he starts to shake a little bit and he gets all nervous and I love what Tyler did Tyler they got pictures to prove it he's standing there and the door opens up and he goes Zot! <laughs> Zot! High exclamation. He was so excited. I love to see that part of it. I love being a part of the happily ever after. I love being the guy that gets to look at him and say, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And you, get, you see this kind of like, can't believe it. They're so excited and so pumped up, and I get to say that. I got a front row seat. Everybody is like looking, trying to take photos, and I'm like right there. <laughs> then I get to say it. You may now kiss your bride. I love it whenever I get to that place. If you see me do weddings, you'll see me do this a lot. I'll be standing here, wherever we are. Let's say I'm here. By the authority vested in me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in accordance with the laws of the state of Ohio and the churches of God, I joyfully pronounce you, and I'll stop. And I look at him as if to pause just a moment before we seal the deal. I now pronounce you husband and wife. And then they're like, yes! One, one couple stood up here. He turned around and took a selfie of him and his new bride. <laughs> it's a new day. <laughs> Marriage. Marriage. Sadly, a lot of married couples I see also in ministry lose that first love, that excited love. They sit farther apart. They don't talk very much. They let circumstances hurt one another. Words hurt. Emotions get tangled up, and it isn't long before happily ever after has been replaced with divorce papers, and custody battles, and broken hearts. None of them imagine in that moment when they're down here and they're like, till death do us part. None of them imagine that it would ever be or, be or feel any differently than it does in that moment. And I'm not here today. I know in a, in a culture, in a society like we live in now, and whether you're in the church or in the world, divorce is something that, that we deal with. It's something that hurts and touches people's lives. And I don't mean to make light of that. But like I said in the beginning, you know, because sometimes divorce is so tough and hard and because people have gone through horrible hurts, some their fault and some not their fault. There are people that are divorced or have separated and they didn't do anything wrong. They, they were faithful. They were committed to their vows. They were solid in their relationship purposes and and yet they end up 
on the wrong end of a divorce. It happens, and the church needs to be very sympathetic and empathetic, and we need to offer support. We don't want to judge people when they find themselves in those circumstances, but simply because we have so much of it doesn't mean that we should stop preaching the sanctity and the covenant and the seal a vow spoken before God and given to him as a covenant forever. Marriage. Marriage. We believe in marriage. We believe in the sanctity of it. No matter what your personal story's been like, we would all agree that our sons and our daughters, our family, our friends, they're all getting married. We do weddings almost every weekend, starting as close to spring, and now it even feeds into the winter. We do them all, all through the summer months. Weddings are going to happen, and we as a church have got to be careful to make sure we're helping people because how many of you know most of the preparation for marriage happens before the ceremony? Well, I ought to get at least one amen out of there. I got one yes. That was good. Awesome. Amen. We've got to be in this place where we truly understand that preparation for marriage is of vital and essential importance. We want them to do it right. We want them to do it better. And we want you to do it forever. Forever. Contrary to popular belief, it's not a temporary situation. When you decide, young man, that you're going to put flowers on a path, put a table up in the middle of the night somewhere at a, at a neat little park, and you got it all figured out, and you're in your best clothes, and you are there to ask her to marry you, make sure, make sure that you've got forever in your heart. Make sure that she's the one that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Many engaged couples prepare more for the wedding than they actually prepare for the marriage. We need a solid foundation. And I want to start with that this morning. The first thing, so we'll pick it up next week as well when we celebrate Valentine's Day. Everybody come dressed in red. A small little checklist for today. First, falling in love. This is the first thing that must happen as you're getting ready for marriage. Falling in love. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe really in falling in love. Somebody says, what? Well, that's been your problem. <laughs> I don't believe in falling in love. I believe that you choose someone comparable to you, comparable to you, complementary to you, that you choose the one that's been designed and built for you, that you look for her. And it's not, it's not a, it's supposed to be a trial and error type of thing. It, you're not supposed to go into it with an attitude that says, well, we'll see. You wait until you know. 
Falling in love, though, is a prerequisite, but it's falling in love with Jesus. I love that old saying a, a, a lady put on somebody's Pinterest or, or email. And it says, I'm looking for the guy who can only find me as he's searching the heart of Christ. That she's hidden in the heart of Christ. And he can't get to her unless he's seeking Jesus. That's beautiful. Ladies, don't mess with a guy who don't love God. Don't go out to dinner. Don't hang out with them. Don't take a text message. Don't listen to them when they start telling you. Oh, baby, you know I love you. Oh, baby, it's all good. You're looking mighty fine today. Sweetie, dumpling. Don't listen to that stuff. You don't want nobody that don't love Jesus Christ and have not put him first in their lives. You don't like them. You don't go out to dinner with them. You don't go on a date with them. You don't play around with them. You don't look at them. You don't want nothing to do with them. Imagine what they're, they're offering you only themselves. They're offering you all they got. I'd much rather have somebody who has been filled with God's spirit and full of the power of the universe at work in their lives, leading them and guiding them in truth to know how to love me. Human love is fickle. Human love is going to let you down. Human love is going to fail you miserably. But connect that with the power of love, the power of God in your life, and that causes you to be on the right track towards happiness. I love happy couples. I love when I watch them. I love the way they... Have you ever watched Orville and Linda? Look how close they're sitting right now. Look at He's got his arm around her even in church on Sunday. He's sitting there always looking mighty fine. Class act, beautiful. Hold hands. They'll hold hands everywhere. Y'all been married too long to do that. What you talking about? Beautiful couple. Wonderful couple. I love it when I see couples been married for many years holding hands, giving secrets to each other. I love it when I happen up on them and they're laughing and talking to each other privately. I'm like, what y'all talking about? And they're like, nothing, pastor. <laughs> I love that. Ain't nothing more beautiful than the romance between a man and a woman and what God has put together. He designed it that way, built it that way. She was built for you. God thought a lot of you. God thought a whole lot of you. That woman, that man that's sitting beside you, God had a design and a plan. There's nothing more beautiful than that. I, I made a uh, talk in, in the first service about Rob and Janelle, and I'm going to do it again. They're a couple that, you know, they're busy. They both got full careers and lives. And yet, you'll watch them. It's nothing to get on Instagram. And Janelle's posted some picture of them in some faraway country. I mean, they're like on their motorbike. And they are somewhere in the East Andes. And they're just, weekend trip, you know. We're just taking a drive. And you don't know what part of the country they're going to be in. They're everywhere. And they, it's, you watch them. They have more fun with each other than anybody else. That's her best friend. That's his best friend. There's nothing more beautiful than watching that happen. I've admired them for years. I've admired them for years. 
I've watched how they treat each other and how they talk to one another and how they laugh and giggle with each other. And then I've watched how they kind of, you know, get sharp with each other every now and again. That's all right, because that means it's okay. They can do that too. There's nothing more beautiful than watching people who are madly in love with each other fall in love with Jesus in order to fall for the one that God has for you. But don't give me this. I had somebody sit in my office not too many years ago, said, well, Pastor, I've, I've just fallen out of love. People have learned not to say that in my office, Sister Oni. They don't say that anymore. That gets about a 15 to 20 minute lecture on I don't believe in it. It's impossible. There's no way you fell out of love. You fell out of choice. You fell because you just didn't want it no more. You fell because you, you didn't want to choose her anymore or him. We just fell out of love. Bah humbug. You didn't fall out of love. You make a choice. Every day it's a new commitment. God's mercies are new every day, and so is your commitment to your loved one. You ought not to be looking at that one sitting across the cubicle. You ought not to be flirting around with the one at lunch. You ought not to be looking left and right and messing with people that you have no business messing with. You don't need to be close to them. You don't need their confidence. You don't need to tell them your problems. You need to stay away from them because they are not the ones you have coveted with, with for God. You have given your life to that one and you said it with your own mouth. You said, till death do us part. Till death do us part. And it came off your lips so easy. I watch couples. I, I see couples every week. I had one last weekend. I watched them as they looked at each other and they were just so love bubbles are everywhere and they're down here and he's looking at her and she's looking at him and, and I'm like, okay, you... Take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife till having to hold you richer reporter till death do us part. And they're like, till death do us part. And inside my head, I'm like, you, did you hear what you just said? Did you hear what you just said? You said, I'm going to love you till I die. And then the next thing you know, I now pronounce you. And they're kissing. And then I get to introduce them to the congregation. I look at them and say, ladies and gentlemen, may I be the very first to introduce you to Mr. and Mrs. Cameron Jones. And everyone laughs, claps, and goes nuts. And they walk out, not having realized that they have just sealed words in heaven. They have covenanted with God. They have made a promise, and they said, God, I will love this man, this woman, until I die. I said this earlier this morning. I said, till death do us part or the clouds part, whichever comes first. Love. Like I said, just because we live in a society in a day when it's uncomfortable and awkward, you know, I have people who, who, several people wrote me over the weekend because I announced that we would be doing Super Vow Sunday. I'm going to skip that service. I'm not going to make that. I'll wait till you're done. And I thought to myself, well, I'm unmarried. 
And yet I feel that this is one of the most important Sundays of the year. I feel that it's important that we teach our young people, our unmarried folks, folks that have been widowed, and yes, people who have been divorced, where God is restoring you and giving you the opportunity to transform your life through, through dedication and recommitment and dedication to God in a new relationship. You say, I can't do anything about what's happened in the past. You're right, you can't. There's nothing you can do about that. And no one expects you to. Man, it's under the blood. You lay it before God and you give it to the Lord. It's between you and him. But when it's time to move forward, you want to do it right. So we need days like today where we talk about the covenant of vows. We talk about the importance of sealed contracts with God and covenants that are there, a promise forever. It's important that we understand that I don't want there to be any marriage problem in our church. I don't want, I've heard stories, I've heard terrible stories through the years in ministry of churches where people are just going crazy and everybody's just hopping around, switching partners. And I'm telling you, that's not going to happen here. If you're married to that one, you're married to that one. Quit looking at the choir loft. Quit hanging out over here in the lobby hoping to get a conversation. Give your marriage back to God and be committed and dedicated to that one that God has given to you. Is that all right? I feel like I ought to open the door and run out the side. We believe in marriage. We believe in that, that covenant and that promise that you have made to this person. So that leads me to the second thing. I've only got three... Four total, so I've given you, this will be the second. I'm going to hurry real quick. It's four minutes after 12. I'm going to do it in like three minutes. <laughs> Marry the right person. Marry the right person. That's number two. A survey was taken. You ought to believe the top reasons why people get married. I'll start from the top. Love. Thank goodness that was number one. But you know what the next one was companionship. No, the next one was a lifelong commitment. The fourth reason people get married is security for their children. The fifth one is for financial security. The sixth one is because of religious beliefs. The seventh one is family pressure. And I'll only do one more. Number eight, because it blew my mind. A desire for a special occasion and party is the eighth top reason why people surveyed got married. Marry the right one. And don't underestimate the hard work. How many are married in here this morning? You're married right now. How many of you would say, it takes work? It takes effort. It takes commitment, dedication. You're going to have bad days. There are going to be days you don't like Rob. There's going to be days you don't like that one you married. There's one, some days their breath is going to be terrible, and you're going to say, why did I choose you? But you're going to choose them again because it's all right, and mouthwash does the trick. It's all right. You're going to give it to God fresh and brand new every single day. Because how many of you know marriage is not primarily about you? I love what one couple said to me years ago. I said, y'all never fight. How, how in the world is it you never fight? You always love. I saw them in a little bit of a, a couple of, saw them in a little bit of an argument. And, and they later, it wasn't an argument, but it, it was a discussion. And, and I guess I got this mixed up. They said they didn't say this, but I could promise you they did, but they didn't. They said they didn't. But I, apparently the Holy Spirit gave it to me in a revelation. 
they're sitting there, and, and, and from what I remember of the story, it was they were having a little bit of a discussion, and, and she piped up, and then he piped up, and they piped up again and piped up again, and then they stopped. And the guy looks at the girl and says, and calls her a cute little name. I won't, I won't call because then that'll tell half their family that's here today that it was them. But he called her, let's just say Petunia. He said, Petunia. <laughs> he said, Petunia, is this our first fight? And she said, well, I believe it is. And they, they started laughing, and that was it. Everybody got pizza after that. I said, what's the, what's the secret? What's the secret? And somebody told me, they said, you know, on our wedding night, we had already made the vows and made the commitment, dedicated ourselves, had the big party, and we got to the hotel. He said, I sat her down on the bed, and I looked at her got on one knee and I held her hand and I looked into her eyes and I said, I just want you to know, I'm going to live every day of my life making sure that you never regret having said yes to me. And she looked back at him with tears in her eyes and she said, and I'm going to live every day of my life making sure you never regret that you asked. Beautiful. Beautiful. Two more. Know where you're going. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God's got a plan and a destiny for every person. So make sure the person that you're marrying, the right one, knows what your destiny and your mission is. That ought to be something you've already worked out and you've figured out with God in your love and you're falling in love with God. You have found your purpose and mission. And as you know that, then you don't, you don't mess with somebody who, if you're called to go to, to South America, the last thing you want is somebody who's called to go to Toledo. Find the one that knows where you're going and you complement each other in ministry. You're looking for these things that are so valuable and important. And lastly, big one here. Throw away your exit strategy. Till death do us part, there is no exit. There is no strategy. There's no... There's no way out, not for you. You make a decision. Look, if your wife and your husband is here right now, would you just look at him and say, no exit? No exit. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to choose you tomorrow. I'm going to choose you next Monday. I'm going to choose you every day of my life. I'm going to keep choosing you. I'm going to choose you. If you ain't married, I want you to pray right now. God, I'm choosing her now, and I'm going to be faithful to her now because I'm not looking for a woman. I'm looking for the woman. I'm looking for zotes. I'm looking for zotes. I'm looking for woo. Baby, make me want to sing a song. Shout. 
I'm looking for the one that God has designed and built for me. That's what you're looking for. There's no exit. When I find her, I'm committed. I'm dedicated. You don't need to mess around with the world and see all the different options you got. You only got one option. One option. God has designed and built her for you. Keep looking until she comes walking through the jungle, buddy. She's there waiting on you, and she's going to come. And when she does, God is going to bless your socks off. I love what Brother Watkins said said this in his funeral. He looked at me one, and he was anointed. One Sunday night, he was in the altar, and he was moving around. He said, Ray, I'm going to pray God will bless you, somebody that will read the Bible to you morning, noon, and night, and knock your socks off. Then he shouted all over the altar, just moved left and right. I said, well, that'd be awesome. As long as she likes to go to dinner, too. There's no exit. Consider the vows. For those who are married, consider your vows again. Do you take this man, this woman, to be your wedded wife, husband? To live together in the holy, sacred state of matrimony? Do you pledge yourself to love her or him, comfort him or her, honor him or her, and keep her or him? Forsaking all others, Will you keep yourself only to them as long as you both shall live till death do us part? I want you to stand with me. I read this a couple of years ago and I pulled it out and I wanted to read it to you again. To show the importance of the vows, Super Vow Sunday. Super Vow Sunday. New vows. Listen to these. I promise to be your loving husband or wife until one of us is dead. We're not going to be a divorce statistic. We're not going to throw in the towel the moment life gets tough. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like you every day. In fact, there may be days that I can't stand to be around you. But you're still going to be stuck with me because before you and God and all these people, I'm giving you my vow. Say amen. amen. If you want proof, I like this, just look at your crazy family sitting here on the front row. I am willing to spend the next 50 to 60 Thanksgivings and Christmases with them because I'm so in love with you. I am promising that even when you get wrinkled up and gray, I'm going to be committed to you and I'm going to expect you to be committed to me because commitment is the only way this thing is going to work out. That's how God intended it, and I'm going to trust him to hold us together even when the world tries to tear us apart. If you get fat, I will encourage you to lose weight and be healthy, but I won't love you any less if you don't. If you get sick, I'll try to make you all better, but I won't love you less if you don't. If you get Alzheimer's and forget who I am, I will try to make you fall in love with me all over again. But I won't love you any less even if you don't. I'm going to love you even when our kids are depriving us of sleep and our sanity. I'm going to love you whether we are rich or poor. No matter what plans God has for us, my plans will always include you. I will put your dreams ahead of mine. I will spend the rest of my life trying to make your life better, living to never give you reason 
to regret having chose me. Every day I will thank God for the privilege of loving you, serving you, being your best friend, and walking through this life holding your hand. I love you. I would marry you all over again. Can we kiss now? I want every husband in the house to turn to your wife and give her a big old smooch right here in the house of the Lord. Now reach over and take the hand of somebody standing beside you, realizing, realizing and knowing that in a service like today, like I mentioned, there's going to be people who, who feel like, you know, wow, it's all, you know, it's been a journey for me that's not been necessarily praiseworthy. There are a lot of hurting people today. And on a day like today, I want you to believe in this message just as strongly as anyone else. And I want us to pray. Pray for one another. You may be holding the hand of someone who's married right now, but they're going through the struggle of their life. It may be that it's one of the worst situations they've ever found themselves in. They need prayer. You may be holding the hand of somebody who's going to get married, and it's just right soon, and it's going to happen, and they're so excited, and we're going to pray for them. They need prayer. You may be someone who's divorced or widowed. Someone who's separated. I'm going to pray for you right now. Because we all believe in marriage. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, we honor your presence in this house. Lord, I felt the leading. I know that you're ministering to people. I pray that our marriages, those that are married and are here today or their spouse is not able to be here, I pray over them, God. I pray a covenant protection. I pray, Lord, there'll be no enemy intervention. There'll be no cute little flirt at work or down in the grocery store. I pray against any, any invasion of the enemy to tear apart that that you put together. I pray, God, you'll rekindle their first love. I pray they'll feel the same butterflies, Lord, they felt on the night they were going to ask them to marry them. I pray, God, that you will shower them with your attention and love and help them to remember back to why they chose them to why it was so important and why they fell in love with them and chose them. I pray that you'll renew that kindle and that fire afresh today. I pray, God, for those that are hurting, those who've gone through wounds and are either divorced or they've gone through widowship and they're living their lives alone. I pray in the name of Jesus you'll comfort them, strengthen them, and be with them. Guide them, Lord, into that right, right relationship with you and with them. And, Lord, let them sense and feel your presence. Let them know, God, that you have designed and created them for glory. And we ask you to bless and comfort those that are getting married or going to get married or want to get married. Lord, touch their hearts. Bless them. Help them to prepare, Lord, long before they ask. Help them to be a light and to be someone who's not just going to marry the right one, but to be the right one. Help them, God, to develop themselves, to work hard on who they are so that they will be meet for this master's use and prepared for the good work of marriage. Touch their hearts. Minister to them, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And us, Lord, as a church, 
I pray this year we will develop more systems and structure for families that, Lord, you'll guide and direct our pastoral staff, that we, Lord, will do everything in our power to preserve the honorable and sanctity of marriage. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, as we endeavor to please you, honor you, and serve you with all of our hearts, making disciples for the kingdom. In Christ, your wonderful name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you're not coming back tonight, you got a Super Bowl party or whatever, I'm the weirdest pastor you'll ever meet. I think it's cool. Have your barbecue wings and your potato chips and think of us. What we're going to be having tonight is praise and worship, and we're going to be coming together for a special prayer service tonight. So we'll be here, and we'll be praying for the Denver Broncos or the Carolina Panthers. God bless you. Happy Super Val Sunday. Stratford Heights Church of God. On behalf of Pastor Ray, we thank you for spending...